Filippos Kanakaris is the director of the Sin Dromos Theatre Company in Athens. He's our guide to the world of ancient Greek theatre right now on Travel with Rick Steves. This week's show notes include a link to his troupe's website with a short video trailer from their production of Medea. You'll find it at ricksteves.com radio. Filippos, welcome. Thank you. Tell us about your work as a theatre director in Athens. I have a small theatre company in Athens and uh, we mainly deal with classical plays. We're revisiting ancient Greek tragedy, mainly, and we try to decipher the hidden messages of this place. Why did this place survive within the centuries? What is it that makes them important to modern life? We're not interested in presenting something which is like an exhibit in a museum, Uh but we're trying to discover all the things that have a global appeal throughout the centuries for people. So why is Greek theater, ancient Greek theater, important to you and, and why should I care? It is very important because back in the days, I mean in the classical period, 6th, 5th and 4th century BC, where we have the flourishing of the ancient Greek theater, this is not something special. This is not something that you dress up in order to go and to see someone deciphering words or singing or dancing. It was something that was mandatory for everyone, regardless of their income, regardless of their education. In fact... Rich sponsored had to pay for the fee so that the simple, the poor people, the uneducated people can go and see plays. Now, it occurred to me, I was at an ancient Greek theater recently, and it occurred to me, this is like, almost like church Absolutely. 500 years before Christ. This is where morals were taught. This is where lessons were taught the younger generation. How are you going to be a good Greek citizen, a good human being. Absolutely. And that's why they believed that it was an integral part of the society theater, and it was mandatory for everyone. 2,500 years ago. Now, today, are some of these ancient plays still being enjoyed by Greeks? By Greeks, and not only Greeks. They're being performed in other parts of the world. Um, Having lived for six years in London, always the National Theatre of the UK presents ancient Greek tragedies. They have it on their repertoire. So what's an example of a, of a lesson that the Greeks would all learn and be inspired by 500 years before Christ that today still resonates with people who can go and enjoy a, a Greek play? That's an excellent question. I will give you an example from a play I directed quite recently. That was Medea by Euripides. Uh, very quickly, she is the wife of Jason from a- Jason and the Argonauts. Uh-huh. They go, they get the Golden Fleece. They re- instead of going back to the place they need to go, they end up going to Corinth. And that's where Jason, despite all her sacrifices and the assistance she gave him because she was a kind of a witch, She assisted him to get everything he wanted. They go to Corinth and he abandons her to marry the wife of the local king. She takes her revenge by killing their children and his future wife. Why was this play written at this time? I will tell you, we are on the verge of the Peloponnesian War. Athens is ready to go to war with Sparta. And what Euripides is trying to say with this play is, be careful, because in Athens we have three kinds of people that we don't recognize as real citizens, the women, the foreigners, and the slaves. When the time comes and we will need their help, because there's a war coming, they will take their revenge on us. Oh, that was wise to be able to call people's attention to that. Exactly. Because Medea is a woman. She comes from an area which is modern-day Georgia in Russia, in former uh, Soviet Republic. And uh, she's about to become a slave because she's being kicked out of her country. So now, today, you can look back, and as a theater director and an enthusiast for Greek theater, 
you can look back and actually respect these playwrights as, uh, as we look at Shakespeare, smart, full of wisdom, and appropriate to this day. Absolutely. And you can see a difference in the way they write. Aeschylus, who is the oldest, he started writing first, so he writes archetypes. He describes, he, he creates characters that have in them elements of kings, of, of important men, important women. Then we have Sophocles, who finds kind of a balance between the human and the divine. And then we go to Euripides, and Euripides is the person that started what we perceive today as psychological theater. So what is psychological theater? What do we mean by that? We're talking about a theater which is based on real characters, real people, people that have the same dreams that we have, the same fears, the same agonies, the same problems in their lives. The characters start becoming more easy for us as spectators to identify with, to see ourselves in them. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with Philippos Konakadis, and he's a, a Greek theater director and a tour guide who joins us in our Travel with Rick Steves studios. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and Jory's calling from Raleigh in North Carolina. Jory, thanks for your call. Thank you. So I have a master's degree in theater history, and of course, I studied many of the ancient Greek comedies and tragedies as part of my work. And over the course of my studies, I built up a bucket list of important historical theaters to see. I've already seen, of course, Shakespeare's Globe, and I have seen the Teatro Olimpico in Vicenza. So of course, the theater Dionysus is on my list of theaters to see the theater in Athens where they had the annual play competitions every year. So I wanted to know how easy is it to visit and do they still do performances there? So the theater of Dionysus, that's the uh, the theater that's just on the side of the mountain of the Acropolis, right? And we all walk by it when we go up to the Parthenon and you look at this and it's normally in the middle of the day, it's just sun-baked and it looks quite uninhabitable. But are there still plays there, and how easy it is to see a play? No, unfortunately, we don't have any theater being presented inside the Theater of Dionysus. But if you want, you can visit it. Mm-hmm. There is an entrance fee, so mm-hmm. you can go there and see a very well-preserved stage and the first row of seats, because there's still a high number of seats that are still buried underground. But what you can see that you don't find in most other ancient Greek theaters is the thrones that they were building for the very important citizens of Athens. The VIPs. Yes. Ancient VIPs, AVIPs. Exactly. All right. Now, Philippos, if you were Jory's uh, tour guide and you were walking her through this theater, what could we appreciate about Greek theater by looking at the remains of the theater of Dionysus right there in the middle of Athens? What would you tell her about it? We can appreciate the fact that these shows are not presented with lights. They're not presented with a musical score that you press play and you hear it. These are theaters that are exposed, open air, The performances are taking place during daytime with the light of the sun, Mm. and they may be, uh, at certain parts, be late in the evening. The fact that in these empty, exposed venues, without any embellishments, you connect with a text that has really important things to say to you. It's completely against the idea of creating an environment which is lit with the perfect lights. You see why this place still remains in time. So it's more vivid and real because it's more um, candid and honest? Absolutely candid, honest, and you see that 
it's all about what has been written and how clear and clean it is to be given to the audience and communicated with the audience. How many people would be sitting in the ancient theater of Dionysus when it was full, and did it have some backdrop to help the acoustics? How did they manage the acoustics for such a crowd? Well, the actual backdrop of the ancient theater of Dionysus is the rock of the Acropolis because it's it's built on the slope. So this was very uh, convenient. So this How was, many people could it accommodate? The maximum capacity, they believe, though they haven't unearthed all the sitting, it mm-hmm. would be between ten and 12,000 uh, spectators. So you just turn the volume up on your microphone, or how can you hear somebody uh, with 10,000? The, uh, the acoustics. There was, a, there was a lot of thought being placed. And I, I, actually, I would recommend to Jory, after she visited this theater, I would take my car and drive her all the way to the ancient theater of Epidavros. Because this is a theater situated to the southeast of Athens. Epidavros, and it's a couple hours drive away, but it's where you really hear the acoustics. You hear the acoustics and the show's been presented still. They start being presented from mid-June all the way to late August, every Friday and Saturday. The biggest theater companies in the country present their work over there. And you have the chance to go and see ancient Greek tragedy, ancient comedy. And I've been there where you can have a tour guide just talking at a regular voice in the center of the stage, and the acoustics are very smart. Yeah, you can go all the way to the top, and this is a theater that has a capacity of 12,000 people, and you go all the way to the top, and you can hear the slightest sound, the slightest whisper. Wow. It doesn't matter if it's in a different language. You will be blown away by the magic of the acoustics. Mm. And then another theater that's quite astonishing to go to is the Theater of Dodoni, Dodoni is situated about three and a half hours' drive north of Athens. Dodoni. Yes, it's, oh, a, right. it's within a, an archaeological park. It's mm-hmm. a stunning ancient theater. They still do shows over there. Nice. And then if I wanted to be more adventurous, I would go to the Greek island of Lemnos. And over there, you can see a theater that was built in the classical times, 5th century BC. And it's been four years that it reopened. Amazing. It's um, amazing that these are still being used. And in fact, all around the Mediterranean, you can go to the great theater in Epidavros. Uh, you can go to the theater in uh, Ephesus. Absolutely. Uh, and there are Roman theaters and Greek theaters, even in, in southern Italy. Yori, thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick. Bye. I know. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Philippos Kanakaris, and we're talking about ancient Greek theater and enjoying it today. And uh, it's fascinating to me, Philippos, to let our studies of culture and travel take us back. And to think that theater was a way for people to teach their children to, to have a good morality. Theater was a way to criticize your political leaders, if necessary, without being uh, thrown in prison for it, uh, to make a commentary on the day. I understand there's only like 40 ancient plays surviving from four great playwrights from five or six centuries before Christ. And 2,500 years later, we can still be inspired by that value of ancient Greek theater. Philippos, Kanakaris, and Therestopoli. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com. <laughs> 